Regardless of the circumstances, you may find yourself in a Brady Bunch of your own today, one that looks different than the TV family looked. Here's Ron Deal. Blended family is the most popular term, but the point we like to make about that is that most step families don't blend. And if they do, somebody usually gets creamed in the process. And uh, it's really a misnomer to use the term blended family. To me, it doesn't matter so much what families call themselves. What they need to do is recognize that they have a different kind of family. And learning how it operates and how it works and how they can make their family successful, that's what's really important. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. And if your special family is facing some special challenges, we've got some help for you today. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Monday edition. Um, A few years ago, I took my three boys, Marianne and I took the boys, we went to Legoland. Now, you haven't been to Legoland. No, but I remember when you went. We, you were really impressed. We were excited to go to Legoland because our boys really are into, they love Legos. Well, the, the, the most exciting ride at Legoland, which, by the way, when we were there, it was all geared for kids 12 and, and under. There Pe- were, people are wondering where Legoland is, Bob. Oh, Legoland is in, um, it's just north of San Diego. Okay. Okay. And it's geared for kids who are 12 and under, so there aren't a whole lot of scary thrill rides. There is one roller coaster, and it's it's moderately exciting as roller coasters go. Right. And my son John wasn't sure he wanted to ride on the roller coaster. And we coaxed him and said, come on, you'll have fun, you'll like it, it's not that scary. And we all got on the roller coaster, and we got all done. And Jimmy, who's a little older than John, said, that was cool, let's do it again. And John said, I am not doing that again. He didn't ride the roller coaster the rest of the day. <laughs> now, I tell that story because for a lot of couples, Dennis, who have gone on a marriage roller coaster and have wound up apart, there's been a divorce, uh, they look at the marital roller coaster a second time and they go, that's scary. Can we really make this thing work better the second time than we did the first time? And a lot of them aren't sure they want to head on that ride again. And then those who get on it wonder how are we going to fix the problems when they come up this time. That's right. And not everybody, Bob, who ends up on that uh, step family roller coaster ends up there uh, because of divorce. Some end up there because of the death of a spouse, Mm -hmm. and they now find themselves strapped into a seat with um, all the turns and ups and downs, and they're wondering, how do you build a successful step family? And uh, I want you to know as a listener, we listen to you, too. We listen to you on the Internet when you go to FamilyLife.com and you tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about here on the broadcast. We also listen to you when you call in to our 800 number, and we take notes. And one of the areas you've been asking us to do some work in is in the area of step families. And I want you to know that we have searched across the country, and in our own backyard, in Jonesboro, Arkansas, which, yes, it is, 
in the United States. <laughs> but in Jonesboro, Arkansas, we uncovered a great resource that we want to share with you uh, over the next few days here on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. His name is Ron Deal. And, Ron, I, I want to welcome you to Legoland and uh, uh, the roller coaster ride of step families. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thank you. It is a great honor to be here. He's on the advisory council of the Step Family Association of America, and he does seminars all across the country called Building a Successful Step Family. And uh, i got to tell this story on Ron as I introduce him. I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, and Ron comes up to me and introduces himself and gives me his card, and I ask him to send me some of his stuff because he told me he was working in the area of uh, blended families or step families. And I said, man, there's a tremendous need there. Send it on. So he sent it. And we've been in dialogue over the past few years talking about this material and how we can bring it uh, to our listeners. And I'm excited uh, to feature uh, Ron this week and, and talk about how we can equip step families not only in helping them make their marriage go the distance, but also be successful as parents. Mm-hmm. Now, when we come to the subject of step families, Ron, um, I think maybe the majority of us who are married underestimate the number of people who presently are in step-family relationships. How prevalent is it? The numbers are really pretty staggering, especially to people that are unfamiliar with how many step-families are out there. Currently, every day in America, there's 1,300 new step-families. And by the way, these, these statistics that I'm about to give you are anywhere from 5 to 10 years old. We don't have any real recent statistics, and so we got to keep that in mind. In other words, it's probably more than even what we're saying now. Mm. Uh, but one out of three Americans right now in the United States is either a step-parent, a step-child, a step-sibling, or somehow related to a step-family. One out of three. And uh, with the life projections as they seem to be, it looks like one out of two of us will have a step-relationship at some point in our lifetime. Hmm. You know, we've done a, a good bit of research at our Family Life Marriage Conferences, and Bob, you know you speak at the conferences. Up to 30% of those who attend our conferences are in step families. And I think we assume that step families have the same life expectancy as a regular family. That's not so, is it, Ron? No, it's not. In fact, uh, the divorce rate for remarriage is uh, 60%. And there are some numbers that indicate that it's more than that. And by the way, I need to kind of qualify that statistic. Uh, We don't have a statistic that tells us what the divorce rate is for step family couples. We only have a rate for remarriage. Now, some remarriages don't involve children. Obviously, the, the the bulk of remarriages do involve children and qualify as step families, but the numbers are really high. And let me just add, although these statistics are not step family statistics, they are those involving second, third, and fourth marriages from uh, Gary Richmond's book, The Divorce Decision. He says that second marriages, now get this, second marriages have a 24% success rate within five years. Third marriages only succeed 13% of the time, and fourth marriages succeed just 7% of the time. So if you thought the roller coaster ride was thrilling and exciting the first time around, the danger increases the second and the third and the fourth. It's like it gets to be a wilder ride. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is this. People have a set of expectations when they come into that remarriage, and what they don't anticipate or 
are the step family dynamics that are going to play a role in their marriage. They just don't know about them on the front end, at least not until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, because they're uninformed and they go in and they assume things are going to be better, and I've learned a few lessons from the last time, we're going to make this marriage better. But what they don't understand is the complexity of their home and how that's going to impact their marriage. And then when it blindsides them, there are six months, two years, three years down the road. And most of those divorces, by the way, occur within the first three years. So they never get beyond the, the tough work to anything, to any of the rewards. We're using a term that, frankly, I haven't heard used before. I've heard about stepchildren or stepparents, but I usually hear about blended families. Is step family a better term? There are so many terms. As I go around the country, one of the things I like to do is just collect the terms that are used today to refer to to step families. There's the remarried family. There's the reconstituted family, which sounds like orange juice to me, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And actually, it's kind of interesting, you know, re- reconstituted orange juice, something was taken away and then it was added later. And that's kind of why it got used uh, to refer to step families. Blended family is the most popular term. But the point we like to make about that is that most step families don't blend. And if they do, somebody usually gets creamed in the process. Mm. And uh, it's really a misnomer to use the term blended family. To me, it doesn't matter so much what families call themselves. What they need to do is recognize that they have a different kind of family and learning how it operates and how it works and how they can make their family successful. That's what's really important. Ron, I want to talk about the needs of step families uh, here in just a moment, but I want to ask you to do something pretty tough. You travel, you speak all across the country in your seminars, in churches. How would you grade the church in terms of addressing the needs of step families? On a A, B, C, D, F, how would you grade the church? Uh, I'll be... I'll be benevolent and say a D minus. We're really doing very poorly. Think about where we were with divorce recovery programs 25, 30 years ago. We, we kind of had this feeling there's a lot of people that were finding themselves in divorce situations for one reason or another, and the church needed to respond, but we were, we were uh, bashful at the, at the front end, and we weren't sure what to do and how to help these people, but we knew we kind of needed to do something. Well, that's where we are with step families. They are so prevalent in our society, and yet the church is doing little or nothing. Well, and you know why? As we try to uphold God's standard for marriage. Right. It kind of feels like we're abandoning somehow God's ideal. And that's why I say right on the front end, uh, my ministry has nothing to do with God's ideal. The church has got to continue to preach and to teach one man, one woman for life. That's got to be, we've got to uphold God's ideal. Mm -hmm. But what we're trying to do in step family ministry is we're trying to keep the peculiar step family dynamics and complexities from holding people back from serving their Lord. You just can't be actively involved in a local church. You can't be serving God the way you need to be if you're constantly fighting in your marriage. You just can't be influencing your kids towards Christ if you're not sure what your role is supposed to be as an adult in the household with stepchildren. It it just ties you up. And the way I like to say it is Satan gets us distracted, discouraged, and defeated, and then we can't be for God what we need to be. Mm -hmm. You know, Ron, one of the things that you've written about uh, is wilderness wanderings. Um, And I so enjoyed a piece that you wrote called Guiding Step Families Through Wilderness Wanderings that, uh, Bob, we decided to make it available on our website. And uh, people can go there and and download it or uh, just go and read it. Mm -hmm. Our web address is familylife.com. And if you'll click where it says today's broadcast, there'll be a link to the article. What uh, what do you mean, Ron, by uh, wilderness wanderings? Uh, let me tell you a story. 
It's about Moses and the Israelites. You know, they had been in bondage for over 400 years, and they desperately wanted to be released from that. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they asked God to deliver them. And one day, he decides in his timing to act. Ten plagues later, Pharaoh says, you can go. And so they embark on this journey. And if you just stop and think about it for a minute, can you imagine their excitement? They're finally been released. Honey, grab the kids, grab everything that we own. Let's jump in line. We're out of here. Where are we going? We're going to the promised land. How long is it going to take to get there? I have no idea, but let's go. And so they embark on this journey, and they set out. And then a little while down the road, somebody says, hey, you got the map? Uh, no, I don't have the map. I was kind of hoping you had the map. Well, Moses seems to be leading, and God's leading him, so we'll just keep going. Well, they come to this point in time where they, they, they take a break by the Red Sea. And they turn around and look behind them, and lo and behold, who's there? Yeah. Pharaoh has, has sent his army. He wants them back. In fact, he wants them dead. Mm. And the people at that point in time turn and they look at Moses and they say, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? Now, Dennis, the story I hear from step families goes a little something like this. God, you know, being a single parent is really tough. My kids need a father. My kids need a mother. They need somebody else in the household to kind of bring a sense of wholeness to their life. I'm doing it all by myself. Would you please deliver me from the bondage of being a single parent? And somebody comes into your life, and they make you smile again, and you feel good, and you begin to have a hope for the future. And all of a sudden, you get this wild idea that there's a promised land just around the corner of a happy family. And so let's go. Let's grab the kids. I'm sure there'll be some adjustment issues, but it's going to be okay. And they embark on this journey only to discover that just a little ways down the road is this sea of opposition. There's all these issues they really don't know how to face, they really don't know how to confront, and they just keep butting their head over and over again up against this sea of opposition. Hmm. And then they turn around and look behind them, and they're being pursued by a past that they thought they'd left behind. And it's pursuing them in the form of very difficult emotions like anger Mm -hmm. and jealousy and loss that they thought they'd gotten rid of, but lo and behold, it's come with them. And their children's loss issues are staying with them as well. And, and, and the other thing that's pursuing them is the old relationships. They're still dealing with the next spouse as the children move back and forth between homes, and they're still arguing and fighting with that person. And all of a sudden, the children look to this adult and they say, Mom, you know, we really were doing a whole lot better back there when it was just you and us. Why did you bring us out into this step family to die? Mm-hmm. And then the parents begin to feel guilty, and they begin to feel that there's no hope for the future. And the message that I have for step families is there is a wilderness wandering. It is almost a, a universal experience that step families get to a point where they say, maybe we should go back. And 60% of couples will go back to that bondage of divorce. Mm. And what I say is, no, you've got to trust God, hold his hand. And just like Moses called the Israelites to trust God, he led them through that Red Sea. God can lead step families through their seas of opposition, but they've got to do the tough work and they've got to stick it out, and there is a promised land on the other side. But if they quit and go back to Egypt, they never get the rewards. You know, that's an incredible picture because in the midst of that, what God called the nation of Israel to was faith. That's exactly right. And what we're going to do all this week is call step families, step moms and dads to step into their own spiritual wilderness and instead of looking at their circumstances and doubting God, instead look up and believe God's word and begin to trust him that he can bring bring meaning, he can bring spiritual growth out of all the pain, the past rejection, the chaos, 
all the issues they bring in, and in fact, that was one of the things that hit me as you were talking about that, Ron, the number of issues that these single parents bring to a step family. Mm -hmm. Well, I started to list them, and, and you tell me if I've got an accurate description of what they bring. There's the past rejection of that they've had with their past mate, custody issues, alimony issues, yes. child support issues, yes. how their past spouse impacts their present marriage. Uh, some of them bring their former spouse into their marriage by way of comparison. Mm -hmm. Their former spouse's uh, antics and messing up just uh, foolishness. They bring that into the relationship. There's issues of grandparents. I've heard of grandparents filing lawsuits to see their grandchildren. Well, it goes on and on and on. All the the emotional debris of the divorce. And, and Dennis, those are only the adult issues. We haven't begun to talk about the issues that the kids are bringing to the table in the step family. And you said something I just want to capture for a moment. You said, you don't want to talk about the ideal. Hmm. Your ministry is a ministry that is not about the ideal. What do you mean by that? It's about where people are living. It's about this ministry is about capturing people living in a situation where the tools that they were taught about how to do marriage and the tools they were taught about how to do parenting, some of which apply in their family situation, in their stepfamily, and some of which don't apply. In other words, it backfires on them. And so they find themselves wrestling with that sea of opposition. And we're wanting to just help lead people right through that sea, give them practical tools so that their family can be successful, so that their family can be a place where God is served, where people come to know and experience grace and forgiveness and love as a way of ultimately pointing them to a relationship with their father. What I hear you saying is there is some relief in step families if they realize that they may not achieve what they dreamed of in the ideal. It's just a different kind of family, and it's that notion that uh, if we're constantly trying to recreate what we thought was the ideal or what we've been taught was the ideal, then all of a sudden we lose our ability to find the creative solutions to these unforeseen problems that we find in front of us. You know what, in 21 plus years of marriage and with five children, one of the things we've learned in a first marriage is that what we thought the ideal marriage was going to be like <laughs> has not materialized. <laughs> right. And what we thought the ideal children were going to act like has not materialized. And there's been some sense of loss and adjustment to all of that. Uh, maybe a part mm. of the challenge for all of us is to get past this idealized picture of uh, of the expectations we have for one another, whether it's first marriage, second marriage, or uh, th your third attempt at making this work. Well, again, I think couples in step families can have an Ephesians 5 marriage. I mean, that's not an issue. The principles of relationships in the New Testament very much apply to stepfamilies. Sometimes they're applied a little bit differently. The principles are true, but they may be applied differently in terms of how the couple actually carries out their responsibilities as a couple or the way that they go about their parenting tasks and responsibilities. Uh, but nevertheless, the principles that God has laid forth still very much apply. Ron, what I've, uh, what I've experienced with, with stepfamilies is that when they finally realize that a step family, which has been caused either by death or by divorce, and have two different family units coming together to forge a new different unit, when they realize that that new family is is not going to be the ideal, this perfect ideal of a Christian family, I've found that many times their shoulders all of a sudden are relaxed. It's like, oh, 
that's what we've been struggling with. We've been trying to achieve what we know to be the ideal, and yet we're living in this step family, which isn't ideal. That's right. It's a different kind of family. They're trying to be the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch taught us that you can take a step family and make it just like a biological family, and it doesn't work that way. But anybody with any Christian maturity to them in a, in a second, third, or fourth marriage will tell you that, that remarriage is not God's ideal. But they have a different kind of family, and they can make it a good and great family. And, you know, the the passage from Philippians 3 that I come back to all the time here is where Paul, after he recounts his own sinful background as it relates to to his involvement with the church, says, I used to stone Christians. I mean, I don't deserve to be here even writing this letter to you. Then he says, but this one thing I do. He said, forgetting what lies behind Mm -hmm. and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Wherever you find yourself in a marriage relationship today, first time, second time, you you can look back and you can say, I have blown it. And from this day forward, I dedicate my life, my marriage, my children, my stepchildren to the service of God and His kingdom. There is absolutely a message of redemption and hope. And, and, And that hope can be realized no matter how dire the circumstances may be. I mean, God has always worked his plan and purpose out through broken, dysfunctional people. Back to the Israelites. Think about them in the middle of their journey, and they come to a place where they have no water, and they're grumbling, and they're complaining, and are we ever going to get to the promised land? And they come across some water, and it's bitter. They can't drink it. And God tells Moses, throw, throw a stick in there, and he turns the bitter water sweet. And at that point, God, in, in Exodus 15, defines himself, says, I have a name, and one of my names is, I am the God who heals you. Mm-hmm. I am Jehovah Rapha. Mm-hmm. I am the God who turns the bitter waters of life sweet again. That's exactly what God wants to do mm-hmm. for, for step families, for people in situations that seem less than ideal. Ron, is, is what we've been talking about here the greatest need of step families? It is because they feel so unworthy. Uh, it's amazing to me. It's difficult to get people to turn out for seminars. It's difficult to get step families to acknowledge their presence in churches. I call them closet step families. They're there, but they don't want anybody to know they're there because they're afraid of the social judgment. They're afraid of isolation. They're afraid of somebody looking at them saying, oh, you're one of those kind of families or you're less than ideal. There's not a person in any church in America who is an ideal. <laughs> We, you know, there's yeah. uh, there's no such thing as a second-rate family or a second-rate Christian because there's no such thing as a first-rate Christian. We're just all people in need of a cross. You know, it occurs to me um, that step families who are listening to our broadcast today just need to know this. We love you. Amen. And these broadcasts over the next few days are because we want to equip you, encourage you, and bring hope to you that you might run the race. And, and uh, the verse that has just been echoing in, in my heart is First Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 8. It says, above all else, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. And the word fervent there means stretched out. And certainly those who are in step families know what it means to be stretched out because mm-hmm. there are a lot of circumstances coming at them that, um, well, just a, a nuclear family doesn't ever experience, can't begin to relate to. 
but we have to be stretched out, and we need to be exercising our love not only to our spouses, but to our children and to our stepchildren. And when you feel trapped between that sea of opposition and a past you can't shake, that's the time you trust God, because God will provide a way through that sea of opposition that you cannot see. He will do it. He will be there, and he will lead, and he will guide, and he will help equip you with tools through people, through family life, through organizations that that can help you get to the promised land. You know, I think a lot of times... um a husband or wife in a in a second marriage and a third marriage begins to feel the haunting pain of the past. Something happens and they go, this is just the same kind of pain I had the last time. Yeah. And as that haunting pain comes back, they go, I didn't know what to do about it then. I still don't know what to do about it. And that's where the hopelessness comes from. And I think what we're saying here is there's a way to do something about those pains of the past. You can make some corrections. You can make some adjustments so that you don't just spin out, but you press through the pain and find the promised land on the other side. And, and Bob, you, uh, you testified uh, recently before the a state uh, committee around covenant marriage here in the state of Arkansas, and you made a point about equipping couples before they get married that really applies here. And it's around the whole concept of building skills in couples um, before they get married. Now, most of us begin the assignment of marriage with with no skill development for relationships. It's just what we picked up in our family of origin, which may have been dysfunctional, may have had its own set of challenges. We've had no formal training. We are now yoked together with somebody who brought in their informal background of skill development. And oftentimes in those situations, when we reach an impasse, we go, I I don't know how to fix this. And if you just would pull back and, and learn some basic skills, it can orient you in a new direction. Now, ultimately, those skills have got to be worked out through the power of the Holy Spirit because in your flesh, you'll never be able to uh, maintain God's perspective on what a marriage ought to be. But even uh, even a godly Christian needs to understand what communication looks like and what conflict resolution looks like, what the Bible teaches about those kinds of things. And when I'm talking to couples that are thinking about entering into a step-family situation, or I'm doing pre-remarriage counseling uh, training for ministers. What I tell them is, all of those things you taught couples the first time they got married, you got to teach remarried couples. Plus, you got to teach them how to deal with the parenting and step-parenting issues, how to deal with their ex-spouses, how they're going to handle their ghosts from the marriage past. You've got to do everything plus more to get them equipped. And, and all this week, we're going to be well, we're going to turn this into a classroom of skill building mm. for step families. And Bob, uh, if his statistics are accurate, and uh, I believe they are, one out of three of us are very, very close to someone who's in a step family. I'd like to encourage you to call a friend and encourage them because I got to tell you something. Some of the most hopeless people are uh, those that you think are the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. They are struggling at the very core of their marriage and family, and it's all around what Bob was talking about. They do not possess the biblical skills nor God's power to know how to go about creating a godly step family, and that can be done. Ron has produced a number of resources to help families uh, who are in step family situations, starting with the Smart Step Family, which is available both as a book 
or as a small group resource, there's a DVD so that if a small group wants to get together and go through this material, they can do that. And in fact, getting together with other folks who are in a step family and going through this material may be the best way uh, to go through it if you can. Because it just helps to hear the experience of other families, what's worked for them, what are the challenges they're facing. So there's the book, there's a small group study, and then Ron has uh, written a book called The Smart Stepdad, co-wrote a book called The Smart Stepmom, and there are additional resources that he's written and produced over the years. We have all of these resources in our Family Life Today Resource Center, and in fact, we haven't really mentioned this, but uh, Ron has recently joined us here at Family Life as a member of our team. And his ministry, the Smart Step Family, is something that we are making a part of what we're doing here at Family Life. We want to help families. We want to help couples in whatever situation you find yourself in today, for whatever reason. We want to help your marriage and your family be the strongest it can be. And so to have Ron here as a part of the team Uh, We're talking now about uh, new resources we can be developing and new strategies we can employ to help strengthen folks who are in blended or step-family situations. If you'd like more information on the resources that Ron has produced and that are available, go to our website. FamilyLifeToday.com is the website. FamilyLifeToday.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-800-FL-TODAY. Again, there's more information online. Or if you have any questions, call us and we'll see if we can answer them for you. The web is familylifetoday.com. And our toll-free number is 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word TODAY. Now, tomorrow we're going to continue our conversation about step families. Ron Deal's going to be back with us. And we're going to talk about children and how they can actually keep a family from blending well, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Hope you can be here for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.